Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now um, in a position where I've been laid off because of <laughs> the pandemic and don't have work at all. So I'm curious to see how that manifests with at least my professional life. What I'm saying is I've got all the time in the world now for diking out. <laughs> this is going to be the biggest podcast. <laughs> what you're saying is you can find us at patreon.com slash diking out. Yes, that's what I'm saying is that we will set up a Venmo and <laughs> cash app. All of that. <laughs> I'm diking out, you're diking out Let's dike out together See what it's all about Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out Hi and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that is using this self-quarantine time to stream all the terrible lesbian content that's out there. I'm Carolyn Bergier. And I'm Melody Kamali. And today we are diking out with Broadway performer Laquette Charnel Pringle about work-life balance. She's going to join us in a little bit, so you'll notice that as we do these remote broadcastings during self-quarantine time, we're just going to have the guests come in for our topic portion uh, of the episode because things are weird, you know? (laughs) Things are so weird. I'm back in the closet, you guys. I'm recording (laughs) inside my closet. Yeah. I almost went back in the closet, but we have a lot of crap in our closet, so I'm right outside of it, but uh, close enough that I'm still very uncomfortable. I just don't like being this close to my closet. Just a reminder, you guys, everything is canceled if you missed our last episode. Uh, (laughs) Everything, just except the podcast. The podcast is still happening, but all, all live events and travel that we had planned is all canceled slash postpone and I hope everyone's taking this seriously. I'm seeing some reports on the news of some people who are just some people. Yeah. But our listeners, I don't think are the ones we're seeing on the news at spring break in Florida <laughs> right now. I don't know if that's our demo, but yeah. if you're not taking it seriously, now's about the time. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I was watching some doctors speak and saying like best case scenario is that this all seems like an overreaction that we all stay in and not that many people die. And we're like, man, we went to such extremes. But like, that's the whole point is for less people right. to die. So even though it seems like there's only, I don't know, I feel like more people die in New York by walking into manholes than the current <laughs> death count for the city. But we're nowhere close to the the peak of this and things are only going to get worse. They're also not testing. A lot of people still, there are people... I know who have symptoms who have called their doctors and can't get tested because now they're just prioritizing uh, healthcare workers. Yeah, you're sick right now. I've been sick all this last week. I didn't even fathom trying to get tested because of all the horror stories out there. And I just felt like it would make me more sick and depressed. Um, yeah. So I just kind of wrote it out. I just saw an article where someone went to get tested after all these hurdles and then was hit with a $35,000 medical bill. For that just, is for insane. The test. No. 
Yeah. That's so, so crazy. Obviously, that didn't make me a clamor to get tested. Right. Oh, man. So I'm just experiencing a little bit of post-nasal drip, but most of my problem right now, I did get my eggs extracted on Thursday. And since then, I've been feeling like shit, which is <laughs> partially to be expected, but because I've had endometriosis since I was like 12 or whatever, all those hormones in my body have caused it to flare up. So I'm having a lot of the symptoms that I get when I'm having a flare up, which is like constant headaches and then also like a slightly elevated temperature. So I don't have a fever, but like every night I feel like very warm. I have chills. So it's not great to be having these symptoms when coronavirus is uh, spreading around New York and when my wife needs to get her eggs extracted in a couple days so yeah um, but we've been we've been pretty good in terms of isolating but then we have to go to the doctor all the time and then she's really treating this like it's Chernobyl outside as if we're just being covered in coronavirus every time we step outside the apartment so Cecilia has been really using Clorox wipes a lot and it's caused a few arguments because I'm like same with Allie yeah I'm like we need to conserve and if we keep using it for things that it's like probably okay but now what what we learned through good communication as any same-sex couple uh should be used to (laughs) just very thorough exploring every avenue of what is causing the tension in this uh quarantine department it's that what I see as her being overly cautious is stressing me out But for her to mitigate her own stress as somebody who is diagnosed with with minor OCD and normally isn't OCD in like the cleaning sense, but it makes her feel less stress if she's taking all these precautions and like showering immediately every time she comes in from outside having outdoor clothes and indoor clothing, you know, wiping off the doorknobs in our apartment once a day, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, Allie's doing the same thing. I think because we're both Capricorns, we're both um, very (laughs) aware of our supply and how it's dwindling (laughs) because she is just using these wipes recklessly, in my opinion. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, I think Allie and Cecilia are cut from the the same cloth. Also, we are using Allie is so sweet and made us a quarantine kit with some Purell soap and I didn't even know she did that. <laughs> yeah, and some uh emergency, which we both drank today because I've been feeling so run down since the egg extraction. Really hoping it's not the Rona. Uh, <laughs> but today I started getting paranoid. I was like, what if I'm blaming it on one thing, but it's really the Rona. But I, I don't have a cough yet. Knock on wood, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's been such a fun week to not only be sick, but also get my period and not know what to differentiate between like body aches and like right <laughs> crampy aches because um, I've also been sick. Yeah. But also, in the middle of all this, I started panic exercising, even though my body was not <laughs> ready for it. So I'm also sore body aches. <laughs> so um, I'm losing my mind. I've lost most sense of what day it is ever since I had my eggs taken out and I'm no longer like looking at a calendar of injections, every day is blending into the next, uh, you know, when I'm not looking at like, 
oh, I have a show on Wednesday and Thursday or the normal markers of like how my week is planned. Um, yeah. Right now it's really only like decking out episodes. Got to post those Monday night. And that's <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> what is Monday? Um, what is time? What, what is, is life? Time? I've lost all sense of time, but guess what? I've gained five pounds already. <laughs> yeah, I feel the, like I'm the on stress my way there. Snacking is out of control. <laughs> so I have a problem where if it's in the house, I will eat it, and I can have very good self control with food. It in terms of like not buying it, but if it's sitting there, then Same. I'm gonna eat it, especially if I'm in the house all day. And it's a weird time where people are making sure they have enough food so that they're not. Because, I mean, usually I go to the grocery store, like, every other day in New York because we mm-hmm. we don't, like, fill up a car with groceries here. It's, like, what you can carry with two hands. Yeah, I'm having dessert after every meal now, which is fun. <laughs> and you know what? Snacks in between meals get dessert now, too. Yeah. <laughs> I had some great no-bake cookies for breakfast dessert this morning. Great. I also had some uh, brownie bites, some Trader Joe's salted brownie (laughs) bites, which will be the end of me. (laughs) Well, at least you're going out for runs because of the IVF stuff. We're not supposed to exercise because like one, our ovaries are super enlarged and they don't want them to twist on themselves. And then after the extraction, they say no exercise or yoga for 14 days. No yoga. Yeah. I get, I can't have my body contorting because my, my big old ovaries might <laughs> <laughs> get twisted. Yeah. It's crazy. So, you know, maybe we'll, there's like a cemetery near where we live. That's like the closest thing to a park. So I think we might try to go for a walk. It is so crazy. Um, I'm so grateful. I live close to Prospect Park in Brooklyn. Um, yeah. I've been going for walks there every night or every evening. But is it pretty empty? Are people staying no, six feet apart? It, it it feels like a regular day when you're at the park because everyone's flocking to the parks now and they're not really practicing social distancing. Um, oh. But I'm seeing over the week more and more people have like couples are meeting up with their dogs and everyone's kind of more spread out in their kind of circle chats. But it's it's crazy. It's it's a lot of old people walking by themselves and it's a lot of lesbians and dogs. Oh, wow. So if you're single and time's a ticking, I don't know. If you're a single lesbian in Brooklyn, get to Prospect Park. They're all there. No, stay at home. You're not supposed to be meeting new people right now. <laughs> oh, shit. Melody. Oh, my gosh. You you must not have been as moved by the uh, Celebrity Imagine video. <laughs> No. I didn't. I didn't even. I didn't watch, watch it. it. I didn't. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want there, to. <laughs> there is no point in watching that video. You know, people are losing their minds with content right now. Some of it I'm liking, you know, but then sometimes it'll be like, oh, so and so is on Instagram Live. I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're doing, and then I tune in, and then immediately I'm like, oh, I need to escape this. It's like an escape the room, but escape the Instagram live within the window of like, I don't want them to notice because it feels rude and I don't want to hurt their feelings. But yeah, I'll go in and it'll just be someone talking to their roommate. I'm like, I don't care. What? What are you? Why are you showing me cooking beans? Like if the people who are playing music, I appreciate that. That's good content. Or if you're like dancing, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's also it's a lot of riffraff to have to sort through. Yeah, my friend put on a um, 
comedy show on Instagram Live or Facebook Live, I think. And I should have checked before I joined it. I didn't realize I'd be one of seven watching. So <laughs> it's like you're kind of stuck in. It's like walking into a room where the door's located right next to the stage. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then you walk across to sit down and then it's just fighting a way to crawl on the ground and like snake army crawl out of that room. I know. Through uh, that door that's right next to the stage without them noticing. And when you join these, it's like Melody Kamali's joined. And it's right. just, it makes an announcement. And then you're just trying your best to wait it out and not offend your friends as much as you will. It, by and then sometimes, leaving. yeah. And sometimes somebody will give you a shout out and be like, oh, Carolyn's here. Hi, Carolyn. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I was just passing through. Sorry. Yeah. This, this was a mistake. Oh, I'm no. Going- I'm on the toilet. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I just like throw up some emojis and peace out. Even like yesterday, it was somebody's like, this comedian had their birthday party show thing and I logged into it and it was like only 20 people and nothing no. seemed to be happening. And I'm like, okay, piecing out of this. Hopefully nobody noticed. They need to add private like attending. In- incognito <laughs> attending. Yeah. yeah. Please. I didn't think there like are enough things causing anxiety right now and I'm almost like wishing that we were all socially distancing online I mean still listen to Diking Out please but uh (laughs) but the amount of I just feel like bombarded right now and it's giving me more anxiety than the actual pandemic is And, and people people are acting extra crazy on Twitter and whatnot. And one thing that I do want to talk about was this Twitter thread aimed at Ellen DeGeneres. Aimed around her, kind of. Um, Yeah, right. I'm sure a lot of people have seen this by now. So the tweet was, right now we all need a little kindness. You know, like Ellen DeGeneres always talks about. She's also notoriously one of the meanest people alive. Respond to this with the most insane stories you've heard about Ellen being mean, and I'll match everyone with $2 to LA Food Bank. You did a follow-up tweet saying, oh, and the caveat is, yes, they have to be real, because we need some real kindness right now in one of the meanest tweets I've read. Yeah, so (laughs) I'm going to call this person out, whoever they are, Kevin T. Porter, who apparently has a podcast called The Christian Fun Pod, but this this got somewhat viral. You know, it had like 37,000 likes, uh, over 5,000 retweets, almost 1,000 replies to it. And this just seems like a psychotic thing to do. And I've heard this before. I think there have been articles written about Ellen DeGeneres being mean. And whether or not that's the case, like if I think of the meanest boss I've ever worked for, I would still never imagine trying to generate an internet mob to attack them on Twitter and be like, hey, in this time where uh, the world has enough negativity, let's all pile on to this person who is mean and talk about how mean they are. And it's like organized bullying. Like, And I don't know if this is what spawned it, but Ellen did some kind of Instagram story that was her reading a book to help like 
raise money, raise awareness. I part of a campaign. She was trying to do something and she's like in her huge home and reading from her interior design book and talking about all the homes she has. And it I didn't watch the whole thing. I think she was just trying to be funny and ironic, but it came across as a little bit tone deaf. But but even then I don't know. I just thought this thing was was so mean. And uh, like I, you know, our feelings about Ellen are are complicated uh, because there's a lot of good she has done. And then there are some shitty things she has done. But I don't understand the the need to be so mean right now. Like, yeah, (laughs) like this guy seems like the meanest person alive, not Ellen. (laughs) It's just. there's so much that's weird about it what a roundabout way to have people donate to a good cause and it's also not something you can get the most it's like so specific you know right Um, if you have interacted with Ellen worked with her been a service employee like around her like that's just a handful of people in LA who have those horror stories so did you raise like 24 bucks for LA food bank or right right like Like, that was obviously not the goal like and and this is coming off of like you know a few weeks ago Charlotte Clymer had this thing where she was raising money for Elizabeth Warren and was like matching donations with the promise of like if it hit a certain amount she would reveal like a hot take of sorts of like a tv show she thought was overrated and that was enough to raise like thousands of dollars for a political candidate of choice so if you want to raise money for a food bank there are positive ways and silly ways to do that on the internet without like targeting somebody like I get that you know would it be great if if Ellen was was nicer and made more eye contact with people she worked with sure sure that that would help but also it also helped if she was meaner and deserved and like if it was Weinstein, it's like if you have a, a story you've heard about Harvey Weinstein, just tweet it and I'll donate X amount of money. You know, like it's not right. Ellen, she's who, not like, evil enough. Who, who like actively like gives away a, a lot of money and has changed a lot yeah. of people's lives for the better. It's not like everything she does is terrible. Like Ellen, despite whatever sporting events she goes to with George Bush is a net positive, I would say, not only for the queer community and what she did in the past, which was huge uh, and really changed queer visibility on television for forever. And she suffered because of it you know, at at the time, thank God she came back, but it's just so weird. One of the replies to it was somebody who said that they were serving her and Portia at brunch and that the server, the nail polish on her nail was chipped and that Ellen wrote a letter to the owner of the place complaining about the chip nail polish of the server. And she almost lost her job. I'm like, well, then your boss is the jerk. Like, if he was going to ream you out and give you for, like, if that were a true story and that's how it transpired, you know, there's not much context here. There could have been nuance or it could have been, you know, straight up crazy. This Ellen took time out of her day to write the uh, the owner of a restaurant about somebody's nail polish. But then, like, that's on him for like telling you and terrorizing you with that information and making you feel like your job was in jeopardy. Right. 
<laughs> I guess. I just, I know that there are scarier, quote unquote, meaner people out there. I want, like, why, there are probably so many more stories of Anna Wintour being scary, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, or, like, men. I don't know. Like, yeah. why are we attacking a gay woman? I know. You know, the whole point is right now things are really crazy and, and try to try to be a little bit positive <laughs> and not, even though I just called out this guy's Twitter. I'm not, do not bother him on Twitter. That wasn't the point of this. It's just like, <laughs> you know, but if, if you see this kind of stuff happening, maybe you don't participate in it. Maybe there are better things to do with your time than than piling on. As Ellen says, be kind to one another. <laughs> Just like Ellen taught us. <laughs> <laughs> one last thing I do want to mention before we get to our guests is that a bunch of you have been asking if we're watching Feel Good on Netflix, which is streaming now. And yes, we are. And Of one course of our- we are. Yeah. <laughs> and I've actually been telling people that Mae Martin, in fact, is the ex of at least one of our... <laughs> Past decking oh, outcast one. Oh. Yeah, there could be more. I don't know, but uh, the director of Feel Good was one of the interviews we had set up for our trip to LA. But now, because of all of our interviews are going to be remote, we're going to be recording with her for next week's episode. So we're saving all of our Feel Good talk about Feel Good for that episode but don't you worry we have it covered we are on it we are watching all that wonderful strap-on sex content yes Uh, (laughs) you have one week to catch up and if i could watch the whole season in one saturday evening you can do it too yeah i watch it all in two days it's just six episodes it's great strap representation so yeah uh get on that All right, now it's time to dike out with our guest about work-life balance. Laquette is a Broadway actor, educator, and owner of Fearless Young Artist Productions. She's most known for her roles in Beautiful, The Carol King Musical, Lysistrata Jones, Memphis, The Lion King, Sweet Charity, and Once the World Returns to Some Form of Normal, Mrs. Doubtfire. Come on. Uh, She has also performed on Dike the Halls. And it gives me chills just to think about that performance. That was so beautiful. We had such a silly show, but then we had a very not silly moment when you sang Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. And it was very beautiful. Melody was in the audience for it. I was. It was was amazing. You're very kind. It's nice to finally meet you. I know, right? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Now, it was so cool. So that's sort of how we met was I was having lunch with one of Cecilia's co-workers who is married to another Broadway performer and I was like I'm looking for someone with a great voice who's queer who'd want to do this show and he's like I've just the person and then he's like oh no I'm looking at Facebook and I think she just had a baby <laughs> and I'm like well I'll reach out anyway maybe she wants to get out of the house <laughs> yeah Yeah, you know what's so crazy (laughs) is that, of course, like, you know, having a kid is like one of the most remarkable things I feel like a person could do, uh, especially for women, us being able to create a human in our body is quite possibly one of the gnarliest things. But I think especially for us as artists, when you reached out, I literally was in the hospital room. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was oh, like in oh recovery. <laughs> and I got this email and I was like, hell yes, I want to, yes. Because there's this part of you that it's like, okay, cool, I did this thing and I'm so excited to now spend my life learning more about this new human that, you know, I've been kind of getting to know via my body creating you. But there's also this whole other part of me that is truly uh, significant in my life is how I identify, is how I will use the life lessons from it to help raise you and to, you know, inform you about different things that's going on in the world. So yeah, let me go and do this thing and then I'm going to come home and hang out with you and tell you all about it. So I appreciate (laughs) you asking me to be a part of it long and short of it. Well, I, I do think when you're a performer, like all women feel this, I think, to some extent, but especially if you're working in entertainment, you have this fear that if you have a, a child that all of a sudden nobody's going to want anything to do with you or you might become less relevant. So to have people like still want to work with you around that time, I mean, as like my my wife and I are starting to go through fertility and, and all that yeah. stuff right now, like I know that part of me is trying not to look at a child as like the end of me doing stand-up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so what day was your child born then? <laughs> She, she, we need to know her sign. This is a queer podcast. Yeah, yeah hey man, this say, is real. Melody's like pulling up an, <laughs> an I'm charting chart. I love it. I love it. And like, please share with me the information because I'm trying to learn more about my Scorpio child. Uh, she was born November 13th. November 13th okay. at 5:50 p.m. Cool. Yeah. All right, Melody's on it. Yeah, she, <laughs> no, I, I should have gotten this information earlier to make a chart ready for you. No, I love it. I love it that you're like writing it down. Like, let me know what's good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to know. What is your sign? How about that? Uh, I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> yeah. And my wife is a Gemini. Your Ooh. wife's a Gemini? Uh-huh. Okay, I'm I'm a Capricorn and my girlfriend's a Gemini. Oh, amazing. Look at yes. us. Classically supposed to be not so compatible, but look at us making it work. I know. I know. You know, people always say that Geminis are two-faced, and I don't feel that opposition. I I feel like my wife is, she's super down to earth and super charming and charismatic, but she, there's a difference between when she is in relaxation mode versus when she's like turned on talking about her career and talking to her clients. Like that face is a complete, it's like a whole nother person. But I don't find that to be like two-faced. It's just when she gets really passionate and turned on about what it is that she does. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a menacing kind of thing. Yeah, nah, nah. Wait, what's Cecilia's sign now? Yeah. Oh, Carolyn's also a Capricorn. We've got three Capricorns yeah. on in the pod. Cecilia's a Sagittarius. Yeah, when Cecilia and I started dating, we we met at work. And one of the things that was like a little bit confusing for her was that when I'm in work mode and I'm in the office, I can draw a line between personal and professional like mm. so hard and so strong that she'd get really confused and we'd be like in meetings and she'd be like, are you mad at me? I was like, 
oh, no, I just didn't think that that's the best way to go about the project. And she's like, okay, is there something going? I'm like, no, this literally has nothing to do with you. This is like a million percent work related. And maybe this is why I shouldn't work with people that I'm dating because I'm I'm ruthless. I'm like, yes, yes. uh, Compartmentalizing. Yeah. Yes. I can compartmentalize when it comes to work stuff pretty well. So. Oh, I love that. I love that. So when we're talking about like work-life balance for you, especially (laughs) there's a lot of stuff going on because even before you have a kid being a Broadway performer, tell our listeners a little bit like what that's like in terms of balancing things, because that, that life is seems so crazy. Even to me who, you know, performs comedy, like Broadway is a whole different beast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I um, I booked Mrs. Doubtfire uh, about mid-February. And when I... Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. When I started to audition again at the beginning of January, so really right after Christmas, I kind of hit the ground running. The first two weeks of January, my wife was... Uh, she would just stay home from work so I could go out and do auditions. And I was just like booking it back home. That month of January was really interesting because Mac, um, that's my daughter's name, is Mackenzie, and we call her Mac. It was an interesting time because she was still so small and I was breastfeeding and like coming home knowing that I had a callback for something. So I had lines and songs to learn within like 48 hours, but my kid needs to eat. <laughs> <laughs> That was interesting. And I say the word interesting because I did not realize I could learn lines in five minutes. (laughs) I did not realize that I could do multiple things efficiently without stressing myself out doing them. And now being inside of the Broadway show before all of this craziness happened... Yeah. The, again, the ability to compartmentalize between going into the theater, I have to focus and make sure I understand seven different women's tracks inside of a show, and then coming home and understanding who my child is, what she's doing, what she needs, how to best attend to it. You know, I, I think the shifting going back and forth is, for at least my brain, quite possibly one of the best things that I've ever been able to do. It's hard as fuck. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. I'm so sorry. Yes. Um, okay, great. Great, 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 great. <laughs> um, it's really fucking hard, but it's helping with my anxiety. It's helping with stress. It's helping with depression, to be quite honest. That's great. I mean, I would hope having a, a cute little baby human is good for depression to, <laughs> to look at and kind of ground you. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting about how now you're you're finding yourself having to, to multitask mm. more and you're kind of like forced into this mode of just like, you just have to figure it out and, and do it. Yeah. How about personal time though for you and then also with your wife? What What's that looking like now? <laughs> What is personal time? <laughs> you know, we got, we were, we were fierce uh, before Doubtfire started to happen. Again, that, that month of January, we knew we had the weekends because that's when my wife is off of work. And of course, you know, we get up and we kick it with the little one. And then we would have uh, an hour to watch uh, the new L word. <laughs> I don't know if you, you know, I don't know if you guys oh, are, are up on that. We are. Oh, that's <laughs> part of the job. 
about. <laughs> so, you know, we would tell ourselves, let's put the baby down and we're going to watch New Earl work because we hadn't given ourselves time to do it. But we forgot what it was like to watch the L word. So all the love scenes would come on. And we was like, all right, girl, pause it. 15 <laughs> minutes in, pause it, girl. Come on. Come on. We got these 10 minutes. Come on for this baby. Wake up. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, love it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about as personal as we can get. Uh, <laughs> 10 minutes in between watching a show and the baby going sure, out for a nap. Sure. How demanding is the schedule in uh, non-self-quarantine times being part of a, a Broadway production? It kind of consumes you, um, yeah. especially in the world that we were in at the time that we were in. It's a new show, so I was there during the tech process, and then we started doing rehearsals during the day as, and then performing at night as we were going into previews. So I had a day off, and... In having one single day off, there is all of the things that you have to do, the laundry and the grocery shopping. So for us, it made the most sense to get a nanny, which feels very fancy to say. But now, especially with all of the quarantine, it was the thing that was making us able to go to work and perform our jobs as efficiently as humanly possible. And not for nothing, it was giving me the opportunity to have someone that I trusted with my kids so that I could actually learn all of the songs that I needed to learn Mm -hmm. to have somebody watch my kid. Uh, Because as much as I could learn, you know, three pages of sides in five minutes, I need at least an hour and a half to go through an entire song and make sure I know where it fits in my voice. I need at least an hour to go through lines And it made working a lot more manageable. When you're a performer like that, you don't really have maternity leave, right? You don't have this time out of the the office. It's not like new Broadway shows come regularly. There's only so many shows every year and everybody's fighting for those spots. So I can't imagine the the pressure to mm-hmm. have to like go from giving birth to having to get back. Your body has just been through something traumatic and now you have to be in shape yeah. to, to dance on Broadway. That's nuts. You know, physically, I, I was going through this whole beautiful process leading up to booking this where I just really appreciated my body and especially, you know, being that in the bulk of my career, I've been able to dance in many of the shows that I've done. I was appreciating it just for the fact that I genuinely building a human in one's body and then also using that same body to dance was remarkable to me. And I never appreciated, I spent half of my life doing crash diets or overworking out or doing all of these crazy things. And then to get into the show and be in a dressing room with professional dancers who haven't had children yet, (laughs) you start looking at bodies completely differently again. You know, the the mental psyche of it all just kind of kicks back in of being unhealthy. And it was a little jarring to go from, God, I really appreciate my body to holy I, I I have to show my stomach. Oh God! Um, what? Why are we moving so quickly again? Let's just move a little slower. That's okay. I don't know if we need to run across the stage. Walking seems like great choreography. I just. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it was it was very it was very jarring. I'm thankful that I'm a swing, so I, I'm I'm not on stage every night, which gave me more time to kind of get my body back up on its feet. But I'm a swing, so that means I could go on at any time. So trying to get all of this choreography into my body four months when we started rehearsal, Mac was had just turned three months. So three months after having a C-section it was a lot, is a lot. And now you've got quite a break. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> it's it's I mean, scary. It's scary yeah. out here. I mean, I really want to see Mrs. Delphire, too. I'm really excited about that. It's, you know, it's going to be a really good show. I think that we have a really strong piece. And I hope that not only the name recognition of it all, but I hope that the business of putting up a Broadway show comes back. We need tourists. As much as it's frustrating to kind of walk through the tourists in Times Square, we need them. Yeah. We need, you know, to fill the house. So I hope that, you know, when life returns to us that we have people to perform for. Tell me about it. I mean, it's so crazy. It's like stand-up comedy is kind of it's yeah it's it's interesting though what's happening right now you know our shows are all canceled right so we're forced to be at home and then here I was thinking like oh well you know at least I'll have all this time to work on other stuff and that hasn't seemed to manifest itself yet I'm like wait (laughs) and I'm now my whole sense of time is off because I was like, in theory, I feel like I should have more time now, but I'm still feel like I'm constantly working on stuff and like constantly doing stuff. And I don't know, maybe because I'm just spending so much time washing my hands now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sure that you're feeling, especially with a baby, like just as busy. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to curse out people. this week (laughs) if I see one more person posting about their day on workout I'm so sick of y'all having the time (laughs) to be able to work (laughs) it it was actually giving me more anxiety I'm I'm proud of you yeah seeing what other people Mm. are doing like you know within like two days of like the serious self-quarantine uh happening this one comedian like sent out a newsletter I'm like she put together like a newsletter and like virtual shows and a whole thing for like we've only been we've only been like staying inside yeah you know people are you know there's so much more content especially from comedians but also musicians doing like concerts online and I I think part of that is good too but also like Maybe maybe this is like a sign that we should kind of like take a breather, like maybe take a little bit of time to chill out and catch up on Netflix. I watched a whole season of a show last night. Yeah. Ooh, what show? Oh, Feel Good oh. on Netflix. Well, we'll be talking about that more. Awesome. Uh, yes. I love it. Yeah, we have an interview with the director of that next week. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So it's good that this hasn't stopped queer content from coming out. Yeah. But- Yeah, I don't know. I feel like everyone has this like anxiety about having to still be like super productive Mm. and that that our society, especially with being able to do so much online, that people are just like constantly working. And now that everybody is working from home, it's like their workday 
isn't being defined by like a physical office space. So it's like at any time you can kind of be working. And I think at some point that takes its toll, right? Yeah, it's got to. It's got to, especially for that of stand up. Uh, let me be fully transparent with you, beautiful stand up comics. <laughs> I did stand up for a total of two weeks. Uh, two weeks. Yes. Oh, Tell yeah. Us. Oh, I was Tell a us. star for two weeks. <laughs> Oh, I wrote jokes, uh, which really weren't jokes. It was just parts of my diary that I would say out loud. Sure, (laughs) sure, that's a thing. That's a whole genre. I found open mics. You know, I was out there. I was doing it for those two weeks. Yes. (laughs) I cannot imagine the stamina that it takes to really do it the way you guys do it. And... To also, because in the midst of me being able to hang out with the comics that I got to hang out with for those few weeks, and a lot of them I'm still in contact with, like, online and stuff, but it helped being able to talk to people at a club, like, over a beer after you finished your set. It was cool to be able to, like, interact yeah, yeah, and build your material from there and kind of work off of each other. I, How is that for you guys, being able to do what you do? Because it's one thing to sing a song online or, you know, post you giving yourself a ballet bar but fuck man like y'all are building jokes yeah it's completely derailed at least i um have always before coronavirus have not been able to be productive in my apartment especially when it comes to joke writing like just just always been a thing for me the way i get inspiration for material is being out and about and the way I work on jokes is by bouncing it off of other comedians or like going to an open mic and getting ideas for different topics I might not have thought of it's very social for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I just um yeah a lot of people are like well now's a great time to work on your jokes write a pilot do this do that like I can't seem to get to that point yet yeah so I don't know Yeah, part of living in New York and one of the advantages is this kind of like hustle and this energy and that's what kind of keeps us going and pushes us, right? I feel like there's like this force in in New York and you're like out there and physically going to these spaces and interacting with people and feeling their energy and then when you take all that away, you're in a very different space and it's... It's definitely harder. And, you know, people are trying to do shows online, but without without the audience. So much of, of comedy is feeling the audience and reacting mm-hmm. to how they're reacting and adjusting based on that, adjusting your jokes based on that, adjusting your delivery based on that. So when there's no... I don't know. I'm like, what's the point? But who knows? Maybe everybody who's doing their Instagram lives are going to skyrocket into stardom (laughs) while I'm here. I don't know. It feels very psychotic to me. I joined a a stand up. People are doing live stream uh, stand up shows this week. And I'm seeing a lot of people do very different material than they would normally do on like they're not acting as if they are a stand-up. They're kind of just being like an elevated version of themselves, which yeah. I think I would do. It would feel psychotic to try to deliver jokes as I would normally to a crowd of people. Yeah. yeah. That's the point of stand-up. Right. <laughs> are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Oh, I was curious, too, if um, your wife, is she in the arts? No, she works in uh, marketing and advertising uh, for a branding media company. Gotcha. So extremely creative and also very fucking smart. Yeah. But no, she is not a performing artist. I learned that lesson very early on in my queer life. Let the <laughs> worlds be separate. <laughs> yeah, I had that rule for a long time. And whoopsie daisy, I have a comedian girlfriend, but I get that. You love who you love, man. <laughs> yeah, it happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> what does your wife's work-life balance look like? So it sounds like she she's out there hustling, right? Yeah. She will go from selling and making sure that, you know, her clients are happy and that whatever new product they have coming out is going to be um, launched in the right way to looking at metrics about how the products are being taken yeah. and how sales can increase to this is what our business, her actual company, um, needs to do in order to stay afloat. And she will wake up at 7. By 7.45, every cylinder is full-on fanny, 
And then somehow or another at nine o'clock at night, she is exhausted. And I say somehow or another is because she's firing on all these cylinders so rapidly that it doesn't seem like she can, she actually knows how to stop. But when she stops, it's as if you watch somebody do a tour de France. <laughs> I never appreciated how much she is doing until I saw it for the past seven days now. It's, I don't know how she does it. I was saying to you guys, like, I need at least an hour to learn and then I need to detox. And then <laughs> I need, yeah. you know, yeah. like, it's so much more, <laughs> like, my job is so much more free. I need the freedom. Yes. Okay. I need nature. I need a sensible coffee. I need to talk. <laughs> like, she is in that computer. She is on the whole time. Are you ever trying to encourage her to take more time for herself? Like, I know that if my wife goes on a business trip, she's always worried that if she's not here, I'm just going to wake up and work from like morning until I go to sleep and be doing something that's like work related without taking a break. And she's always like, you need to like go out for a walk. You need to hang out with a friend. You need to like bake, do something that's not staring at your screen trying to work on, on your projects. You know, I, I have, and then we will get into a fight. (laughs) It's, you know, I I could spend all day long talking to other artists and, and, you know, playing piano or in a dance studio or learning lines. Like I could spend all day doing that. Like it doesn't feel like work. I know that it is. Um, But for her, it's kind of, it's kind of the same. When I have asked her, you know, like, like breathe, take a moment for yourself. She still somehow ends up talking about her job. She still ends up talking about like, (laughs) oh, you know what would be so cool? What if we put this over here? And then what if you put your product out like this? And then, you know, make some videos like this, babe, you know? (laughs) She loves content and she loves being able to produce it in such a way that brings a lot of fiscal uh, greatness, <laughs> for lack of a better word. <laughs> I love fiscal <laughs> to, greatness. You know, to her <laughs> fiscal greatness, you know, like she's, she's doing it for her clients and for our family. And, and it, it, it turns her on, I would say, almost as much as going on stage turns me on. Yeah. She's not like a crazy person working, but she is a highly turned on person. Oh, that's great. And highly inspired the second she can start working on it and talk about it for for that matter. That's awesome. I think a lot of people wish that they could be in that place right now (laughs) because I think I've had hourly jobs when when I was younger and it's like you leave and you're done for the day and you can kind of turn your mind off to that and then I've also had jobs that were like you were never finished it was like there was always more you could be doing yeah Yeah. and that's kind of back to where I am now with you know with with diking out and with with comedy it's like well there's always more to do there are always more projects you can take on more things you could start more ways to to grow and it bleeds into my weekends and but I love it like I love doing it mm-hmm. and, and Cecilia will be like did you take a break today did you go out I'm like yeah I, I went I did a, a few open mics and she's like that's still working yeah. that's like work <laughs> like, at the end of last year I took probably 
the the biggest break I did for a while and, and part of it I was sick so it was almost like a forced break and then uh and then we did some traveling so for me like traveling is the only like that's how I balance my life uh which now we can't travel so I feel yeah. like <laughs> I actually worked in the branded content kind of advertising space too as a producer and a year ago quit so I could focus on comedy because it just I was one of those jobs that just never ended for me and like bled into the weekends Mm -hmm. and now um in a position where I've been laid off because of (laughs) the pandemic and don't have work at all so I'm curious to see how that manifests with at least my professional life. What I'm saying is I've got all the time in the world now for diking out. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be the biggest podcast. (laughs) What you're saying is you can find us at patreon.com slash diking out. Yes, that's (laughs) what I'm saying is that we will set up a Venmo and (laughs) cash app, all of that. Oh my golly. How long were you working in, in, inside of that? I, I went to school for it actually. And then, um, right out of school, I worked at a TV station for three years and then I freelanced in advertising, like video production for about five years and then moved to freelance. And now I'm just, now I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. You're a professional queer dyke. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I'm a professional lesbian now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, since we're talking about Broadway, I do have a question because I think a lot of people, when they think of Broadway, it's, I mean, musicals and stuff, it's inherently queer, but most people associate like Broadway with gay men and not really queer women. And I know for me, I remember... Growing up, I used to say things like I have more in common with gay men than gay women because I liked Broadway so much. And I thought that that was just like (laughs) something that that queer women weren't into, except for Rosie O'Donnell, Hmm. who was like a huge Broadway fan. So I loved her show. And actually tonight she's having she's resurrecting her show for one night on Broadway.com to feature and I think raise money to help out people who are out of work right now on Broadway. Broadway. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, we're recording this on, on Sunday, so it's too late if you're listening, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but maybe there'll be a broadcast that, that you could tap into, or I'm sure it'll be captured somewhere, but talk a little bit about what it's like to be a queer woman in Broadway. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Y- you know, I think that it took me much longer to come out because I'm from Dallas, Texas. So there was like the idea that I couldn't possibly be gay because I was a cheerleader and I liked shopping and, you know, putting on makeup and doing my hair and doing a thing. So, you know, I think once I got to New York and I was able to understand that I could still like all of these societal ideas of what femininity was in addition to starting to understand, um, similar to what you were saying, Carolyn, in that I identified and understood my gay male friends in a way that I did not understand gay women. But a big reason was because I didn't know any. And what mm-hmm. gay women I knew, they yeah, weren't, exactly. they weren't, you know, uh, uh, quote unquote, girly like myself. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't, like my wife is an incredible athlete 
I wasn't trying to throw a basketball or do you throw basketballs? I don't know. You know, (laughs) you know, I wasn't about that life. You know, I just didn't think that I could be a gay an openly gay woman and be within the arts and in particular be inside of the arts in a field that I mostly identified being with gay men. And then I started to come out and talk to my gay male friends about the feelings that I was having and not really understanding what was going on. And I'm grateful for the 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 very tactile, empathetic relationships that I was creating because if it wasn't for my gay male friends, I wouldn't be able to stand on my own two feet as a openly gay woman inside of the world of musical theater, let alone the the business of show, proudly. And from a place of, of owning my sexuality and owning who I am as a person versus trying to live up to some idea of what, I feel weird saying a super femme person is supposed to be and how we're supposed to love and how we're supposed to work. I'm 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 really grateful for my gay male friends who who kind of helped me through that process and then you know I got to meet Lauren and be open about my relationship with her while on Broadway. So I it, it's, it's a really long complicated thing but it's taken every bit of the thir- almost 14 years now of of working to fully um be accepting of myself inside of the business. Yeah, like not only behind the scenes on Broadway, it's like when when people imagine like queer women on Broadway, they probably think like, oh yeah, the the stage crew, like yeah. <laughs> that's where <laughs> yeah. all the queer women are, and and not necessarily on stage. And you know, not until recently were queer women, I think, I, and I don't know the whole history, but like represented in in the stories on Broadway. Yeah. So sure, you had some representation in like Rent. But until like Fun Home and The Prom, there weren't stories that really centered around queer women. And I I remember seeing The Book of Mormon, which I really enjoyed. It's a very fun musical. But the whole punchline at the end is like being a lesbian is like the worst thing imaginable. Like that's the joke. That's the button of the musical. Sorry to spoil it for anyone. (laughs) Yeah, that was a really tough show. To, to to kind of sit through because of how it ended. And, yeah. I, you know, that's mm-hmm. not a slight to, that's not a slight to the team or the incredible performers that came to do that show. But watching it as a yeah. gay woman inside of musical theater who loves comedy and loves musical theater and loves the theater, that was tough to watch. It felt like we were being laughed at. And not taken seriously. And that sucked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I remember like looking around the theater being like, did anybody else notice that 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 kind of that's not cool? Like, that's really mean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now it's super great. This is where I'm really grateful for things like social media and also just being like really out of the closet. Yeah. I didn't know very many yeah. gay women who also were going to see Broadway shows. So I felt like I was alone. I thought that I was the prop, like I must have been exaggerating this joke into something bigger than what it was because I didn't know anybody else. So I, 
I couldn't have the conversation with other actors about it because half of them were straight and the other half were gay men yeah. who thought yeah. it was funny. Yeah. So as a performer, before you had your kid, did you ever experience burnout? <laughs> oh, did we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is the most incredible question, girl. Yeah. Or is there to Austin, a certain Texas burnout you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> Girl, it, 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 it is really beautiful to be a gypsy. Uh, it's really beautiful to be working in your profession. But when you are black, when you are a woman, when you are gay, when you are a, a, a young 20-something, very quickly moving into your 30s, you... It's a lot to juggle. It's a lot to juggle. When Lauren and I got married, we were literally, we got married in Cancun. It was really beautiful. We were sitting on the beach and I was like, we got to go. Like, let's just go on a journey. And we decided right then and there we were going to move to Austin. And we did. And I'm so grateful for that time because I was not only becoming jaded, but I couldn't appreciate what I had accomplished nor could Lauren really appreciate what she was accomplishing inside of her career and what we were doing in New York. And because we couldn't appreciate what we were doing uh, professionally, we also weren't appreciating each other, even though we just got married. We weren't fully appreciating each other and our relationship as, as two women being together. So that time for us in Austin, we kind of used as an incubator to recharge, to hear each other and see each other, not on an eight show a week schedule and (laughs) understand uh, a perspective that um, was outside of the bubble. I think that I was one of the very few people of my generation who came into the world of, of Broadway that has taken such a significant break from it and then come back. Like this, this being my fifth Broadway show is massive. It's massive because I'm I'm performing with people who I have taught, but more importantly, <laughs> I am a living example of it. It's okay to take a breather, like give yourself a damn intermission. You don't have to, as we were talking about at the beginning of our conversation, you don't have to be on all the damn time. It sounds like you two took a a New Yorker version of a rum springa. Is that what it's called that the Amish do for <laughs> it's like you get two years to to go out and do something that's different. Uh-oh. And I think every New Yorker needs that at a certain point. What is it like when you're fifteen or some age? Yeah. You can yeah. Get to leave for yeah. Two years. I think I've heard I don't know enough. Oh <laughs> uh, I, I, I agree. I've I've met a couple of Rumspringa Amish people <laughs> who uh, decided to take their time and live in the suburbs of of Buffalo and work at the local ice cream shop. So, you know, to each their own. Uh, I know that there have been many times where I feel like I'm I'm like one moment away from just breaking the lease on my apartment and moving to a cabin in the middle of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> if you keep going without having that balance and without taking the the breaks you need uh, that, that everybody needs, wh- whatever you do in life, I think it can drive you to this point where you feel like you need to literally like 
have some huge change to kind mm-hmm. of snap you out of that that pattern mm-hmm. um, of burnout. You know, you yeah. know what's interesting, and I would love to the whole idea of being of being one burnt out, but also taking ownership of your career. One of the first examples I feel like I saw of that as an artist was Dave Chappelle. And I distinctly remember when he walked away from his show, Lauren and I both were like, he is fucking in charge of his shit. (laughs) (laughs) He he is owning it. I feel like as stand-ups, you guys have such a better handle and grasp of reality, mostly because you're commenting on it. Every stand-up that I've ever met has an understanding of life and being able to have it in order to comment on it. Is that, would you, would you say that's fair in saying or? It's uh, different for, for everybody because you do meet the people who they get like so obsessed with being a a comedian that their whole life, that all of their friends are, are comedians that they are just like grinding so hard that I think that they do kind of lose sight of, what's relatable in the real world and then it's harder to connect with mm-hmm. with an audience so yeah i don't know i i remember hearing maria bamford teach a class and she was talking about like how important it was for her to keep her day job as an admin for as long as possible mm. because that kind of gave her this balance really for like what once she had you know an income and then a roof over her head so she wasn't like constantly stressed out yeah but that it also kind of grounded her in like real people and real life (laughs) yeah and and help you then with with your writing I mean I I've noticed definitely a change even since like quitting quitting my office job to do comedy uh, full time. I've made an effort to like fill that time with like reconnecting with friends and, mm. you know, doing stuff in the real world to still have that contact with people. So my life doesn't just become work, 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 work. And then mm. I'm just so out of touch. <laughs> yeah. 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 You need to live a life worth commenting on. And I've always like been aware of that because you can tell with the comedians who are just, you know, doing five sets a night every night, just all their friends are comedians. They don't have, they start to lose a sense of the world around them. And even to the point where they start doing crazy experiences or going on trips, but just with the seed of knowing that it's all going to be for the purpose of getting material out of that. Like even that is not good enough to me. Like, um, <laughs> I think it's really important to disconnect, um, and not just completely be doing things just for getting jokes out of them and really like yeah. getting. Yeah. And I think it was Dave Chappelle or someone, a famous comedian said, you're funny until you stop having to ride the bus. Like <laughs> that's when you stop becoming relatable to audiences is either. I can't remember if it's Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle, but I've always thought about that quote because once you start to lose touch with the general public that you're supposed to be relating to and talking to in your stand up, you're not going to be as relatable and then not as funny. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so, that's so real talk, which is interesting. Cause like when I watch like on, on Netflix, why do I feel like I am fully on the same level as like 
Jerry Seinfeld. When I see him in his fancy cars going yeah. to get coffee with people, I really feel like I identify with him. <laughs> yeah. Maybe <As>, he has writers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who are taking that bus. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man, that's real. That's real. I think that's where we need to wrap up the the conversation. But like, what? Where can people follow you on social media and see more about what you're up to? Check me out on Insta at MRS Laquette, L-A-Q-U-E-T. And our company, Fearless Young Artist, uh, is at Fearless Young Artist on Instagram. And, you know, because of this social distancing and uh, isolation that we all are doing, I will be rolling out all of our online classes within the coming weeks. So I, I would love for people to be able to follow us there. And once, you know, we're back up and running at Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. Yo, yes. Come and see the show, dude. I can't <laughs> wait. I, I'm going to have my mom fly in. I know that that was like one of her favorite movies of all time. Same so my yeah, we're definitely going to uh, have our moms come to town and, and come and see it yes. when things are back up yes. and running. And, and quickly tell our listeners a little bit more about what Fearless Young Artists Productions is and what you guys do there. Well, you know, when I went to Austin, that was one of the first things that I started thinking about was how did I do anything in New York? And I did it really throwing caution to the wind. Um, and because of that, I was throwing caution to the wind going to Austin and I wanted to throw caution to the wind as a teacher, which is primarily what I did when I was in Austin. And when I came back to New York, I was still trying to think that it was all about teaching, but really being a fearless young artist is the ability to know that you have this particular talent or a drive to do something and you want to not only find a community to do it within, but you want to share it, you want to continue to learn about it, and you want to be able to grow because of the talent that uh, you are cultivating and that has been given to you by the goddesses above. So (laughs) that is what I wanted to create. I wanted there to be a place for young artists. And when I say young artists, I mean all of us. It doesn't necessarily just mean your actual age, but for all of us who are hitting the actor's access, for all of us who are straight out of college, for those of us who've been in the business for a minute and don't want to get to that burnout spot, or you, maybe you are inside of the burnout spot. <laughs> it's it's a it's a community of people that are constantly creating and constantly sharing with one another how we can be our absolute best selves. That's beautiful. Love it. Perfect. Thanks, friends. Thanks. <laughs> I'm trying. You know, I'm out here trying. You're doing <laughs> it. You are doing it. You are yeah. you are a wonder woman with with everything you have going on and just so much uh respect and admiration for what you do. And like yeah. and on top of it all, you're just like extraordinarily talented. You guys are so nice. Like, I just wish that I could hug your faces <laughs> right now. I mean, the first time I heard you sing in the in the practice room uh, before the show, it took everything in me, like, not to just full-on cry. It was so beautiful. Oh. And I'm getting emotional yeah. thinking about it 
about it right now. So I was sitting in the audience and I got goosebumps, but I was there without anyone I knew. So I had to turn to the person next to me and pull my sleeve up. Because <laughs> I just always have the need to show people when I have goosebumps when I'm moving. <laughs> and she's like, great. <laughs> Loved it. Oh, my uh, gosh. Well, I love you guys you so, so much. much. Thank it was you. great yeah. diking out with you today. We got to dike out. That's so cool. <laughs> thank you for being our first digital. Yeah. It's our first remote remote recording. So thank you. for. It was an honor. <laughs> for doing that. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Wow. Isn't Laquette the best? She's so great. Oh, I my love God. Her. You know, the first time I met her, it was like in a small rehearsal space. I mean, we had talked on the phone and stuff when I asked her to do the show. And she just burst into that room full of energy and light. Yeah, I was going to say, energy. She is one of the most just like... It's like sunshine walking to a room and even like backstage at Joe's pub. She just like lights everything up and is crazy talented and wonderful. So it was great to finally have her on the podcast. But now it's time for our listener question. Yes, indeed. And it goes like this. I'm openly queer presenting and I'm unapologetic to my own interests and needs. My partner is not. I'm outgoing in nature, and she is more closed off. She's jealous, and I am openly a very sexual person. A good example of us clashing was when I was listening to Diking Out in my car. She asked me to turn it off because it was making her uncomfortable and that it was overly sexual. Parentheses, talking about how hot some celebrity was, close parentheses. And objectifying woman. Dump her. Okay, continue. That's our advice right away. Dump her. But continue. (laughs) To continue, I I didn't see it that way. And while I told her it would mean a lot for her to give it a chance and that wasn't all y'all talk about in your podcast, I like it and I want to have it on. This ended up with me just turning off the radio completely, feeling rejected and judged. I don't feel like this out of the ordinary. Is it okay to pick and choose pieces of your partner that you like? In her case and in mine, I want to be more open about our interests and not feel immature for them. We are both in our 20s and have been living together for two years. I'm having a hard time with this because we are both supportive of each other objectively, but with sexuality and humor, we do not mesh. That's it. That's the question. Yeah. You know, this sounds like a fundamental problem in the relationship and not just because she's not into diking out. You know, with with anybody you meet, you could probably pick and choose some things that you like about them and some things that that you don't. But if if they're fundamental things like humor, like if you don't if you don't find each other funny or don't like each like Cecilia and I have different senses of humor, but we appreciate each other's and we don't shame each other for what the other one likes or is into. And I think that that's like very basic relationship. 101 is like, don't shame somebody for their interests. (laughs) Yeah. um, Allie and I could not be more different. (laughs) Like, and that comes to our sense of humor too, but we just, I think we get a kick out of each other's humor. We're so different when it comes to our interests. I never want to listen to country music, um, for example. <laughs> and that's that's a big radio fight for us. But at the end of the day, we laugh and can appreciate that we're different but work together well. It needs to be worth it in order to, when you have to pick and choose someone else's interests and tastes. 
Yeah, it, it also sounds like she has a lot of work that she needs to do. Like, there's a lot of insecurity that she's working through regarding uh, her own sexuality. It sounds like maybe there's, like, some internalized homophobia or just some things that make her very uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that this is dead on arrival. Like, there are some things you can do with communicating and talking. I would say the biggest thing is let her know everything you said about how you don't want to have to feel rejected or judged by her and let her know what she's doing that makes you feel that way and and see what she says and try to have a conversation around it because I know that I wouldn't want my wife to feel judged or or rejected for anything that she likes or for the way that that she is and accepting people for who they are that's a big thing about you know being queer yeah and being able to be yourself and to love all the things that make you you and that your partner should love the things that make you 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 know the these don't seem to be problems like oh she's kind of messy and I'm a neat freak like those things happen and I don't think should derail a relationship but something like you know I'm unapologetically queer and out there and then this person like hates that about me <laughs> it's like uh oh red flags all over the place yeah and They've been living together for two years. I'd be interested in seeing just how this um, quarantine goes then. <laughs> oh, yeah. What a time. What, what a, time a time for this. You got to be listening to Diking Out during a quarantine. I mean, right. We got this question a while ago, and uh, who knows how things have probably rapidly changed within, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it's only been what, like a week, but it feels like a year of, mm -hmm. of serious self quarantine. Best of luck, but it sounds like you should find somebody who loves you for who you are, and that's what you deserve. Yeah. You awesome, Susan. Yeah, so. they should love you for who you are and diking out for who they are. <laughs> all right, well, that is it for this episode. We hope that you are all healthy and enjoying us uh, six feet away from any other human, unless it's somebody that you live with. And you can find us on social media. What a great time to be on social media right now. If you're yeah. not, follow us at Diking Out everywhere and you can also get extra content if you've already gone through everything on on netflix uh in this time we do have extra episodes on our patreon at patreon.com slash diking out uh, we also post that same content on himalaya if that's how you listen to podcasts and you can also just tip us on paypal there's a link for that in the episode description if you're in a space right now we know a lot of people are having a hard time and have been laid off from their jobs as melody mentioned uh she just got laid off so if you're in a position where you haven't been laid off and you have a little bit of money that you're not spending out at bars and restaurants and whatnot and want to help keep the podcast going uh feel free to send that our way you can follow me at tg at carolyn and you can follow me at melody kamali and we will dike out with you all next week bye 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 hey there it's rachel ballinger and i am extremely excited to invite you to rachel uncensored it's my podcast where i sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so we cover things from personal stories to hot button issues 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.